Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode. A surprise episode! Preview! This is our book club, our monthly book club episode, but Matt and I are both so... Um, Enthralled? Ready to talk <laughs> about this book. We, we're, a quarter, we're each a quarter of the way through. Yeah. I think you're a little bit farther ahead than me. I just got to part two. And we already have so much to say about this book. And I thought we were going to have it. We, we started an impromptu discussion about it earlier today. And I was like, hang on, save it for the pod. Because I want to share this with you guys. Because we were about to go off. Because if there is a book that invites you to go off, it is Geometry for Ocelots. Or Matt has alternately titled it Philosophy for Astronauts. Or uh, Sci-Fi Siddhartha. At, or Sci-Fi Siddhartha. So until, you know, before we get going. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. And we have almost 500 Instagrams, like followers. I know I've been whatever. following it, and I was like, "Yeah, when I, I know." When it gets up there, I'm gonna say, "Congratulations, we're at 500." Yeah, I don't even know what's happening with that. I have no, I have no, I have no part we're of that. On a nice, like, just linear trend. I know we it's really weird. We haven't hit that inflection point. Who where are you, and how vertical. have you all found us? <laughs> <laughs> Someone start talking. <laughs> So, all right. Okay, so geometry for ocelots. Yes. Uh, Rachel asked me, where did you even find this book? <laughs> where did you find okay, this book? Okay, so here's, I like, back-stepping, like, through my mind, the wandering path that was this introduction to this book. This is what I've reconstructed. I was listening to a podcast about functional programming and functional programming is a branch of like software, like um, programming language development, whatever that is heavily influenced by some very niche mathematics. And the guy recommended if you wanted to get into uh, like the more abstract side of the programming language development that this was, um, inspired by uh there's a really cool book called category theory for programmers category yeah. theory is the branch of mathematics yeah that's fine and and so i was doing some googling around category theory and trying to find a copy of this book because i think it was released by a like professor at a school and so it wasn't like you could go buy this book you just had to find a PDF of it somewhere, ah. and which I'm pretty good at doing. So I was searching around for this, and I found maybe a link on Reddit or something. There was a forum post. They were talking about uh, this category theory. And from somewhere on that journey through the internet, where I was researching category theory for programmers... I stumbled upon a reference to this book, Geometry for Ocelots. And I thought, 
my understanding at the time and up until I was making a list of books to read on the podcast. Yes. I was going through my Goodreads, like, to be read list. Until I had uh, gone through my Goodreads list, um, compiling a list of books for the podcast, my understanding of this book was an entertaining narrative textbook about, like, abstract geometry and topology uh, for people to learn. Yeah, I, I did don't... not know it was a fiction, like, sci-fi fantasy novel. Well, that was a journey, and so, I don't know if that journey made this book better or worse. The fact that you thought it was a programming that, manual. That's how <laughs> – I thought it was a mathematics textbook. And you in still recommended narrative. it. You were well, like, no, when I went through Goodreads, uh, I saw, oh, Geometry for Ocelots. Like, I haven't even thought of this book since I added it here. Yeah. And then I looked at the description – Oh, this is not what I thought it was. No, this is not what <laughs> so, anyone thinks it is. So I added it to the list of books to read for the podcast. See, okay. And I, I have my own theory about how we found this book. I okay. think this book finds you when you need this book to find you. <laughs> I think in your darkest hour, you reach up and somebody just hands you a copy of Geometry for Ocelots because... Even if it doesn't speak to you, it's so fucking weird. You stay alive just to finish it. Cause you're like, what is <laughs> happening in this book? Okay, so we're uh, yeah. each like a quarter of the way through the book. Yes. So I'm getting... we're going to be talking about the, first the beginning quarter. of the first quarter of the book. Yeah. So this will be a fairly spoiler-free discussion. Right, because we don't book. know how it ends. We don't know what happens. I can't the... say we won't spoil other books because I'm about to talk about all the books that this reminds me of. Okay. One Siddhartha. I mean, very obviously Siddhartha. Yeah. And another one is, it reminds me a lot of the um, Boat of a Million Years. Okay. The Ship of a Million that. Years, Boat of a yeah, Million Years. Yeah, Boat of a Million Years. The one where they're like immortal. Yeah. And we kind of go through like their life. And then we get to a point where the guy's like, I think I could figure out, I mean, I think if somebody studied me, they could figure out how to make other people immortal. And then we just whoop, into the future and everybody's immortal. And they've like figured out how to make your gums, make diamond teeth. So your teeth never wear out or fall out of your head because it got inconvenient for everybody to have teeth falling out all the time. And then we're like, actually, we now have, whoop, we have space travel. And we're, we found a signal that took a million years to get here. And it's going to take a million years for us to get back and figure out where the signal came from. But luckily, we're all really fucking immortal. So why don't all the original mortals hop on this boat and just take it off into the stars? And then it became the like first, the real I'd house say three quarters of, of the book. Yeah. Or maybe the first two thirds of the book was this really cool, like following each of these characters from their like ancient historical origins yeah. up to modern day. Yeah. And then it it yeah. transitioned. Then it became the real housewives of Spaceship Alley. It was like Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know what was happening. I was like, I, I DNF'd it. I DNF'd it at like 85%. I I didn't finish it either. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I think I got to the same anymore. point. I got yeah. to the spaceship part where But the part like anyway. the the vibe that reminds me of that is the we are a race of people and people themselves who have been around for so long, we've completely lost touch with what it means to be human. Regular humans don't yeah. even compute anymore. It's also giving me major Dune vibes. Maybe at this point, 
everything would give me major Dune vibes because we've just been like steeping like tea in the Dune universe. But um, it does have the consciousness expanding drug, which allows them all to travel through space, which has to be laboriously harvested. Yeah, but it's just flowers and supports. Uh, it's pieces of star too, strontium yeah, something. Yeah, there's an element that they can only extract from stars, which essentially kills the star. Yeah. And then you have to, like, grow it through flowers. Yeah, I just, I don't, this was not what I thought we were going to get. And I'm not mad. I'm not mad at my I know, it just keeps, surprise. It just keeps twisting, like, oh, that's what this book is about. Oh, that's what this book is about. Oh, this is what the book is about. Oh, you fucking no, thought. No, no, thought. no. Here we go again. And we were about to talk about it earlier, and I cut you off. But, I mean, this is really a treatise against the doctrine of infinite growth. Yes. Because the very first line in the book, and I'm not going to lie, I read the first line in the book and I had to put it down and it took me like a week to come back to it. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only real desire is for the absence of desire. The only thing you should want is to have no wants. And wait, okay, at surface value, you're like, oh, what? What? That, no. that sounds like Buddhism. That sounds. Oh, wait. You mean. The goal should be contentment, complete contentment. And one of the characters who's not Ozymandias, but that's what I keep saying in my head. It's like Aximander. Anaximander. Anaximander. That's how I pronounce it in my is, head. Is Siddhartha. It's Siddhartha. Yeah. Anaximander is um, Siddhartha Gautama. And we even call this world Samsara. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. It's a little bit that too. But it's basically like they have become so advanced that they are expanding into the universe exponentially. And because they all need this special thing from stars, they're basically eating the stars at a rate that is unsustainable. And very soon the whole universe will well, collapse. Uh, they did clarify it's just the galaxy. Oh, okay. But I think intergalactic travel is still unattainable um, or at least inconvenient enough that it's not like a feasible option yeah and um is it myga the bad guy the stag mariga mariga m-r-i-g-a yeah uh he's genuinely an asshole and i really fucking hate him and yes, i haven't he, felt this strongly uh, there, about a character in a long time there was a uh see i was listening to a like three or four part interview or conversation with John Verveke and Jordan Hall. And they used a term. Okay. So they used this term called an egregore. Egregore. Okay. Let me see if there's a succinct uh, definition, but it's basically like the opposite of an angel where an angel is the like, Goodest. Goodest. Good, yes. The good, bestest. Good in the sense yeah. of. Morally for, good. Yeah. Morally good. Yeah. Uh, uh, but th they use the term egregore as, yeah, the, like the scientist in Atlas Shrugged. Okay. Where they know better, but they still act in a way that supports the bad system yeah. the bad worldview right and Riga is 
like th- that's Mar- that's what Mariga makes me think of. Right, is he knows the system is unsustainable, but he identifies with the system, like the. He's benefiting the, too much from the system. He benefits too much from it, but yeah. he he identifies with like participating in this system is who I am. He's Jeff Bezos. Yeah. We just talked about Amazon. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we just finished another podcast where I went off about Amazon. But he's benefiting too much from the system to want to dismantle it. Right. It doesn't matter. And blinded by his, the involvement oh. Yeah. From an alternative. I think he sees completely. I just don't think he cares. Right. It's like people who don't want to solve the climate crisis because they think we'll just figure it out. Well, we don't need to change anything. We'll come up with some kind of technology that does that. And he even says that that in like the first 10 pages or something. He's like, we're going to figure it out. We're we're going to stop it. You can't talk about this because it's going to scare people. And just like every other like bottleneck problem we've encountered we've solved it solved it with some novel technology yeah the the scientists will save us the scientists will save us they are both wrong and they will save us from this right even though you are like the leading scientist on this topic you don't know anything the scientists you know vague group are yeah. going to save us. I think I know more about this than you do. That's what he says. He's like, I think I know more about Such this. Such a mansplainer. He's he's genuinely, an, like, I strongly dislike his character. Like, a lot. Like, I viscerally dislike yeah, his character. An extremely toxic character. He is more um, hateable than any villain that I've read in any of the books with Kate and Hannah. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm 25% of my way in this, which is basically a novella. It's quite a short book. And I really want him to die, and I want to see him die. Like, he's he's awful. Yeah. And everything we find out about him, he's just even more awful. And he really is supposed to be our, like, oligarch, our billionaire, our eat-the-rich motherfucker is who he's supposed to be. Because Right, and he runs one of the few planets that harvest moksha. Yeah, because if you think that billionaires aren't killing people— you're wrong. They aren't killing people with their own hands, but through the way that they exploit the environment and the way they that they exploit workers. The way they perpetuate the system. Yeah. People die. People die because they don't have health insurance. People die because they can't afford care. People die because they can't afford to take days off. People die because they can't afford food. People die because they can't afford housing. People die because they live in parts of the city that are close to the coal-fired power plants that release tons of radioactive and toxic fumes into the air people die because it's cheaper to pay a fine than it is to do it right yep so that's who this guy is supposed to be i'm sorry sorry. (laughs) i get i I just spent too much time with my niece i think (laughs) She's, (laughs) she's very gen z and i feel like gen z has this veneration of wealth like wealth is the achievement not not life not meaning in your life, not like, not a, a fulfilling career. I, I had a conversation with uh, one of our Patreons yeah. at a work meeting. And it's just like a casual hangout meeting for Friday afternoons. And so it, it was just me and him when the meeting started. And so I paused and uh, like chuckled and he was kind of like, what's going on? Because by like 
gut reaction to his initial greeting was to, I think I'd seen some reels where it was like super yeah. like satirical amounts of like Gen Z lingo. Yeah. And my first response, my, my gut reaction was to respond in like super Gen Z lingo. Uh, ir- you know, ironically. Yeah. And so I explained this. And he said, oh, well, um, and, and I think I had, I had thrown some lines out, but he's like, but you, you really got it wrong because when you said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm alive. The most Gen Z thing you could have said would have been, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm not to disparage Gen Z at all. I mean, everybody is unique and different, and we can't group entire groups of people. I, I'm, yeah, but I, this I'm is discussing the, Gen Z in the meme sphere. Yeah, the meme the sphere, the chronically online zeitgeist Gen Z culture that I get to experience through both my niece and through the types of people that post shit online. There's a very much like, you have to look wealthy, you have to act wealthy, you have to have money, and money is the goal. And that's all we care about. And you can't look like you worked for it. And you can't look like you worked for it. And as two people who have gone through a lot of shit together, including homelessness and abject poverty, um, this is a difficult thing for me to swallow. Because when you have had to go through a time in your life where you have nothing, it's a huge paradigm shift right. for you. And where you're proud of how much work you've had to do and where it's gotten you. Yeah. It's hard to uh, kind of see from the other person's perspective. Right, which is why I think Mariga is so hateable for me because he not only puts down Ursula, who very appropriately is a bear. They're all different animal shapes, which they don't have to be animal shapes. They just do that. It's like a thing they do. It's just the thing you do to fit in. Yeah, it's like putting on an, a fancy outfit. You have to wear your bear shape. Your, or your animal form. Animal form. And so Mariga is a stag, and he has like jewelry hanging in his antlers. Yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. And Ursula kind of... She's trying to tell everybody, like, shit's fucked up. World's ending. We got to deal with this. And we got to deal with it soon or it's going to be too late. And the world's just going to end and we're not going to be able to do anything about it. And he's basically like, ugh, scientists. Like, what do they know? Right. And then the president, basically the president, like the leader of the council is like, well, I'm pretty sure we want to listen to her. Like, I think she's got some good points. And Mariga's like, weren't you a poet? What would a poet know about scientists, about science? Right. Yeah, like at first, Mariga's like, so tell me about what you're going to talk about. Right. And she's like, here's what I'm going to talk about. We're, yeah, infinite growth in a universe of finite resources. Right. And he's like, hold on. You tried this like a hundred years ago? A thousand. A thousand years ago? Yeah. And it turns out she's one of the founding members of the Davin Empire. Yeah. Devon like Davin. Like two thousand years ago, yeah, and uh, she's she's been on from his perspective. She's been on this bullshit for a thousand years, yeah. So she tried to 
kind of raised the alarm a thousand years ago. Yeah. And like Captain Planet. she got canceled. Yeah. And it's been a thousand years. I love the long look he, you gave me to confirm that usage. She got canceled. Canceled. Go ahead. And so he kind of excluded her from these like seminars. Yeah. And but she's finally like earned back enough good reputation to be invited back again. Right. And as long as she doesn't talk about this bullshit that she's been spouting. And so she's like, I'm going to talk about this bullshit. Yeah. Should I talk about <laughs> because the bullshit? Because everybody needs bullshit. to know because it's important. Yeah. And he's like, uh, no, don't talk about that. Uh, when you like get up for your presentation, you are not going to talk about that. Or there will be consequences. You're going to talk about super moksha. Yeah. Moksha. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah. And she's like, okay, fine. I won't talk about this bullshit I've been on for a thousand years. Like she's going to give up that easily. (laughs) And so she gets up to give her talk and she starts talking about the infinite universe, finite resources, end of civilization in a thousand years. And he comes up on stage and ushers her off. And yeah. then later on, the president shows up and is like, so I, I want to hear more. Uh, can you can you tell me more about it? Right. And Riga's like, no, she can't because it's stupid and it's wrong. And okay, even <laughs> though it's not wrong, it's still going to upset people. And okay, even if it doesn't upset a lot of people, it's just going to cause problems. Yeah. You know, the... The like narcissists. Uh, Don't upset people. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I eat children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because the, they taste really good. Uh, the Devon, the Devon, whatever. There's no audiobooks, so we're just on our own here. Thank you, Exurb. Exurbia with a one. Exurbwana. Um. Anyway, the most compelling storyline here for me is the whole, like, natives, the Johannes, mm-hmm. because they have what Mriga refers to as cattle, but they also refer to them as, like, primitives or natives or whatever. They're basically humans, just like... Well, and it's... I think it's interesting, the way that they talk to the natives really conveys how they perceive the natives, where <laughs> Ursula always refers to the natives... As venerable ones. ones. Yeah. And Mariga's like, tasty snack. Yeah. <laughs> tasty <laughs> snack. Exactly. Um, basically, they're kept, um, like, they're kept Uneducated. ignorant. Yeah. They're kept um, for the working class. Like, that, they're to mine the moksha because no Devon wants to actually do the work. So... You can have wealth, but you can't earn it. That's boring work. Yeah, you can have wealth, but you can't earn it. That's the whole point. So these people do it for them. And on this planet, which is Earth, we haven't called it Earth, but it's Earth, uh, he, They their children get eaten. They're kept deliberately ignorant. She's trying to talk to this. She just kind of innocently meets one, and she's trying to talk to him, and he's really just like, uh-huh, yeah, okay. Like, I don't know what you're saying, and I really don't care. And she's like, why don't you ask any questions? And he's like, I don't want to know the answer to that. Like, I don't want to know why I'm not curious. I don't really care. I don't care. 
I get to, it reminded me of tomorrow's arrest day. Tomorrow yes. is arrest day. From, uh, Farscape. Farscape. <laughs> oh, there's a lady who does like a, uh, I guess Leah was telling me, um, that my, my sister, she goes through like a, um, the Farscape like episode by episode for people. And she's like, okay, you can skip this episode, skip this episode, this one, because it doesn't have any plot in it. And she recommended you scoot, you skip the tomorrow is a rest day. What? Do you know how often that stupid little episode from an early 2000s sci-fi television show gets quoted in this house? <laughs> but honey, tomorrow is a rest day. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a television show called Farscape, which I highly recommend you check out and skip no fucking episodes because they're all crucial and important. Like every episode of these wonderful television shows that we love so much. And the main character, John, is a human, and he ends up in with a whole bunch of aliens because of plot. But they go to a planet, and these people are mining this specific, or they're, like, harvesting this specific plant, which we find out is ne- the oil of it is necessary for, like, firing these guns. They're like It's like ammunition. But they all eat the same food, and this food, um, like has these mind-altering properties. So they work really, really hard, and then they party all night because tomorrow is a rest day. But then they wake up the next day and they work hard again. Because their memory's been wiped. Yeah, but John, who it doesn't work on, is like, um, I thought today was a rest day. And they're like, no, no, tomorrow is a rest day. Tomorrow's the rest day. So that's what's happening, is they grow the plant, they harvest the plant, they get to party they send some children off thinking they're going to become Devon. And then they go back to bed, wake up, and then replant the flowers and start the whole process all over again. And um, our main character, Ursula, sort of awakens Johannes. Yes. Takes, takes him out into the field and is like, it's okay. Like, just let it wash over you. It's fine. Let, let the like, spice this flow. This is how the, spice the Davins flow. became the Davins. Yeah, and she tells him the story of Ashkenazi. God. Anaximander. <laughs> <laughs> Anaximander. I'm going to get it. I'm not going to get it. I'm going to have to write it down. Anaximander. And it's this, like, she wakes him up. And it's very much like curiosity leads to... Um, suffering, suffering leads to the dark side because pretty soon he's like, holy shit, I live in a nightmare. I am a kept animal. They give us diseases to limit our population. They eat our children and I have no way out of this. This is, I don't want this. I want this to go away. But then when he ultimately is given the choice to go back to the life that he had before, he doesn't take it. He'd rather die than go back to sleep. Are you looking up quotes? Yeah, I'm looking at my highlighted quotes from the book. Oh, I have some good ones. Yeah. Uh, there was no shelf to lay the idea on. Yeah, I like Much that Much like too. the little necklace charm, this new thought changed shape every time he almost had it in his grip. Devas made natives. Natives lived before devas. Men and women, like those in my village. So go off. You want to read another one? Yeah, so Johannes is, you know, having, oh, literally transcendental sex. (laughs) 
in the field of moksha. He literally has his like yes. mental like awakening ascension. She's like, breathe it in, let it roll. And then she's like, we should probably fuck. And he's like, absolutely. Let's do it right now, <laughs> my bear friend. <laughs> and and he's kind of uh, like um, unmoored from his normal reality for yeah. a while. Urinating one morning, he became transfixed with an intricate pattern on the plaster of the toilet and mangled the tip of his penis in the trouser zip. Such is the path to enlightenment. <laughs> Um, she kind of roofies him a little bit. Yeah, because he's really not, like, cognizant enough yeah. to understand. But, like, any transformational experience, you literally can't know ahead of time what it's going to be like after you go through the the transformation. It's one of those things. And you things, can't go back afterward. It's one of those things where... Um, I think we're supposed to see that Ursula is not necessarily like wholly good either. Right. She's a person. She's a person. Yeah. She's not divine. In fact, he mentions that. He's like, because she turns back into her native form, her like actual her human self. Form. Yeah. And she's all like ratty and her hair is tangled. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, it looks like a child playing at their idea. Of what a god would be. Yeah. And I really didn't think we were going to like hang on to Johannes like this. And he really becomes like a main character. I don't know where this book is going. I have no, I I don't know where we've been and I don't know where we're going, (laughs) but I'm happy. The ride is enjoyable. I'm really enjoying it. Um, The whole backstory that as The as backstory, it um, it's a straight lift from Siddhartha, like yes, straight. Yeah. Anaximander lift. is a. It just went you. a modern paraphrase of Siddhartha Gautama's old journey. journey because he is the the prince of the universe. He gets to inherit. He's the son of Shaddam the Fourth. He gets to do whatever he wants. He's the most educated person. Right. And so they're teaching him and he's like, okay, the math is really nice, but why does the math work that way? And they're like, no one cares why the math works that way. It just does. And he's like, okay, but this is really pretty, but what is beauty? And uh, his dad is basically uh, over his bullshit. He's like, stop, stop. He's like, but what does it mean? What does it mean though? Oh, you know what it is? Here's what it is. Yeah. Why? why 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 but why though why but why though why and his dad is like i can't do it i can't do it anymore i can't do it um stop asking why stop asking why there is no answer to your questions nobody cares you're the only one who wants to know that no one can actually know it i just need you to just accept that you are rich and handsome and intelligent and that you have everything you could ever possibly want. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do any of those things. So he just takes off all of his clothes. He gets a potato sack and puts and it on. It. And wanders out to go find enlightenment. And he does it all the same thing that um, Siddhartha does. Where he like he tries to find it through purely physical pleasure. But it's like purely celebrating the universe, just accepting the universe as this beautiful right, thing. traveling around in this like musical troupe. And just accepting how beautiful it is. Experiencing how beautiful it is. Right. Or like completely analytically 
breaking down the universe into its finest parts mathematically. Uh, working, working for just riches and you know being a merchant, whatever. And then depriving yourself completely. And he goes through all the same phases that Siddhartha went through. Right. And then finally he's like, fuck it. I couldn't figure it out with them. Couldn't figure it out with them. I'm just going to go sit by a tree. Or I believe in yeah. um, After Siddhartha. searching about in the forest, he located a modest tree and determined that he would sit at its base until he either found the meta yes or died. <laughs> and if he should die without knowing everything, well, better that than to continue living with the constant blight of knowing nothing. Yeah. And so then sitting at this tree, he gets approached by a series of people like an invent they're like you could be our great inventor we'll give you all the resources and you know uh, consultants and whatever and so he responds with might i construct a machine that could reveal the mechanism of the ultimate is praxia replied no machine could do that my lord and Aximander said then i wish you well and then a merchant comes. Is there a sum of money I might pay reality to reveal the mechanism of the ultimate is? Abachi replied, no sum could do that, my lord. Anaximander said, then I wish you well. Then I bid you good day. <laughs> and then his father shows up. Yeah. And he's like, I'm old. Like, my health is failing. You With smoke are... and lasers. <laughs> yes. His parade was smoke and lasers. And... He's like, you are regarded to be, like, literally the most wise person in the universe. Will you be the king? And Anaximander says, And with the full power of the throne of the myriad of man at my disposal, do you think I might command reality to reveal the mechanism of the ultimate is? Lord Perrin said, There was never and will never be a title or office powerful enough to issue that command. Anaximander said, then I wish you well. He instead only withdrew from the desire to know. He surrendered his mind and body completely, perfectly to reality. He renounced his name. He renounced his intellect. He renounced his lifelong unspoken conviction that there existed a duality between himself and the world. And then my, my last uh, quote for as far as I've gotten he saw suddenly that they were all just convenient nouns and adjectives to describe a hiding, ever-present unity, the million masks of the perfect is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's the book, right? I mean... That's the book, 25% of the way through. This is what we're getting. <laughs> it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm here for this. It's great. This line I, I highlighted because it reminded me of you. you okay, ready for it? I'm ready. I am only wise to the infinite scope of my ignorance. <laughs> Which is very Socratic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, God, there's some bangers. There's another one. They'd sooner forget the word for fire than fetch a single damn bucket to put their burning houses out. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I, so we get this summary of Siddhartha's yeah. journey. Yeah, At, in a mythical form in the in their culture, in the David Empire, uh, we're getting like a lot of a lot of concepts that are 
like very well elaborated in like Buddhism and Neoplatonism yeah. and that kind of thing. It's Siddhartha reframed in science fiction terms. Yes. I mean, I'm here for this. And so we have this whole mythology that we've summarized. Yeah. In this universe, or, well, yeah, this civilization of perpetual infinite growth. And there's people recognizing, hey, uh, we can't just keep growing indefinitely. The, the, the world. That ain't going to work. It's not going to work. So maybe let's like tone it down a little. And there's like a witch hunt. Yeah. And then one of the like oppressed like peons starts getting uppity. Yeah. And they literally have him on trial for murder. They literally have him on trial for a death sentence because he's been riling people up. Yeah. Johannes. Johannes. Yeah. And and Johannes is like, uh, well, I'm not backing down. In fact, I'm doubling down. Yeah. Um, I want to charge the you know Marie, lord marigra the king of the planet yeah with the slaughter of infants and marigra's like yeah i did it so what mm -hmm. what are you gonna do about it? is it you can squash an ant right oh yeah i loved that conversation because yeah. he's like well he's talking to ursula he's like you guys have the ability to heal us you have the ability to fix this my people are dying of sickness and she's like how many ants do you think you killed on your way out here yeah, even Ursula uses Did you the even notice? analogy. Yeah, and then she's well, gone and for I a think while. she's trying to. I don't think she herself has the. She's saying you're resources their to do notice. that, but yeah, she's explaining Mariga's perspective and the people around Mariga. Yeah, that's because when that she comes back, she's like, "Look, I'm sorry. I would that was insensitive." And then he's she's going to use an analogy, and she's like, "Like an insect." And he goes, "Like an ant." She goes, "Let's not go there again." Like, let's not yeah. do that again. Um, yeah, this is the opening to part two. And I think we don't need to chat about this for too much longer because I think what we're really just saying is what the fuck is this book? And I'm excited about it. And I was, this was not what it, it's like when you get a present and you had an app. You know how uh, rare it is as an adult <laughs> to open a present and have absolutely no idea what's inside that present. And then to have something that you're like, Oh my God, yes. I'm actually this, excited. This is really exciting. I don't know where we're going. I had a professor in college and he told a story. I don't know if it's from a comic or if he made it up. I don't know where he got the story, but it was about like, there's a car and it's this car, like a broken down old car with like a uh, unicorn, rainbow unicorn sticker on the back. And this guy gives it to a woman who needs to escape the situation that she's in. And so she uses it to get out to get her first job. And then as soon as she buys her own car, she gives that the car to another woman that needs to get out of the situation she's in. And so this car becomes this thing that just shows up when it's needed. Okay. And I, that's what I was thinking about when I was like, how did Matt even find this book? And I thought maybe <laughs> I know, it just pops up. I you know. Need to read something I could like tell this. how uh, hesitant you were to approach this book like reading the synopsis on like Kindle, 
when I suggested it, you were like, I don't even know like what. Okay. What is this gonna be? Yeah. Oh, one of one of Matt's weird book recommendations, (laughs) and then. I'm delighted that you're enjoying it. Yeah, here's the opening to part two, and I'm going to read it because I feel like it's a really good summary of the whole like lesson of the first part. Mm-hmm. And then we will conclude so that we can finish this book, and then we can have a real long discussion because we don't know where this is going. And I'm excited to find out what happens because Ursula chooses Johannes over going back to the council and sharing the information about the Bivnek. Bivnek. Yeah, the, the Bivnik principle. Yeah. All right. There was once a small spring. The spring was so persistent that over many years it eroded the land about it such that the spring became a stream. It felt pride at this. The stream persisted, and after many more years it became a river. In time the river became an ocean and stretched across the world from horizon to horizon. Witness me, the ocean said. I am mighty. I am eternal. The sun, who had been watching all this time, said, Be careful, ocean. For though you reach across the world now, you still derive from a single spring. Ha! the ocean said. I am an ocean. What need have I for a spring? And the sun did blaze, and the spring did dwindle, and the land became a desert once again. Excerpts from the Metaphysical Sutras of Lord Anaximander. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I feel like this is a good, this is the vibe. And then the weird animal that it's named after, the bivnak, the fact that it has a horn that grows up and curls back oh, around. Yeah, that was such a cool idea. It reminds me of the parable where in heaven and hell, this is nothing but a buffet. Oh, with the And they forks. have the really long, like the four foot long forks. And in hell, everybody's starving. But in heaven, everybody's well fed because in heaven, they're feeding each other. And in hell, no one can reach their mouths. Right. With they're so self centered that. Yeah. They they just struggle with not being able to put the fork in their mouth. Right. But the bivnak has like a, a file underneath its chin, and it has to use that file to file down other bivnak's horns. Yep. And if one gets separated, its horn will grow into its brain and it will die. So it has to live communally, and they have to help each other. They have to cooperate. Anyway, so that's the story that we look <laughs> This is where we're going with this book, and I'm really excited. So we just were getting, we were chatting about it earlier, and I was like, hang on. I hope everybody's reading this book because I feel like the episode's going to be really good. So. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. Well, oh boy, are they. <laughs> so love what you love. Oh, be who you are and love what you love. Until <laughs> next time, friends. Did you forget it? I got so overwhelmed because <laughs> it was so fit. The like strangest things are the most beautiful too because this is strange and beautiful. So it fits. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.